The views and opinions expressed by the following program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station or Webster Rock Hill Ministries, its management or other hosts or underwriting sponsors. Programs presented by KWRHLP are for educational and entertainment purposes only. We'd like to welcome you to In Tune on KWRHLP 92.9 FM. This is Arnold Stricker. Ellie Wharton is on assignment in Columbia at Davo's graduation, and we hope Ellie has a great time. And Davo, congratulations on your graduation from the university. In Tune's a two-hour weekly broadcast which focuses and reflects on issues that impact and connect our community and the greater St. Louis area. Our topics include the arts, crime, education, employment, faith, finance, food, history, housing, humor, and justice. Today, we have uh, an important conversation, and this is something that I think people need to be talking about on an ongoing basis because it impacts not only individuals, but it impacts families. And we've had some prior conversations about this, and you hear about these kinds of things in the news very often. And it is a culture, frankly, folks, that needs to go away and uh, be destroyed. And, and what I'm talking about is domestic abuse. And we have uh, Sylvia Jackson, who's the executive director of the Woman's Safe Place here in studio. Welcome, Sylvia. Glad to have you here. Oh, Arnold, thanks for having me. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your background, how you came to be in this particular role. You know what? It's kind of amazing, really, because I am an urban planner by profession. Oh, wow. So some of my urban planning friends, you know, sort of describe me as a fish out of water, but um, I think I'm exactly where I need to be. I ran homeless services for the city of St. Louis uh, for a few years and um, then went over to serve the initiative called Homeless No More um, at St. Patrick's Center. Um, and I think it was there that I started to kind of hone my skills and realize that I wanted to do more with homeless populations. And I wanted to be someplace where um, I could see change. So my personal mission sort of became, you know, affecting real change for women and girls in the urban and global community. And so the Women's Safe House gives me just that platform. You know, it's interesting, as many people we've interviewed, they have a personal investment in something that really resonates with them and they run with that and many times it's uh in something that they develop as an organization or something as a group that they get together like this particular one that you're involved with and so the women's safe house what do they do how long have they been in existence give us a little history about that so glad you asked that question um so the women's safe house was founded in 1977 and it was a group of women you know, just six community women who realized that there was a safe place for animals that were abused, but there was no safe place for women. Mm. So these six women got together. They um, rented an old Victorian style house in the city of St. Louis, and they started to go about their work. Now, they didn't have funding. They just sort of figured it out, you know, as, as they went along. Who's going to do this? Who's going to pick her up? Who's going to provide food that day? Who's going to take care of the kids? Who's going to get the kids in school? And so... You know, we've evolved pretty much into not only the oldest, but the largest provider of emergency shelter for women and kids experiencing domestic violence. So, you know, you'll see from our mission that, you know, we're really all about providing safe shelter and transitional living services to battered women and their dependent children. And our mission is to also empower women to make informed choices about their futures. But, you know, when people hear battered women, they always think physical. They always think that there's a lot of physical abuse going on. But battered women experience 
more emotional and psychological abuse than any amount of physical abuse. Now, yeah, we do get women that are physically abused. And, you know, for some women, there's a pattern of physical abuse. But domestic violence is really kind of like a pattern of coercive behaviors that are perpetrated by one person against another. And our work is about intimate partner violence. And so it has to do more with the type of violence that are perpetrated, you know, by someone who exhibits power and control over another person. Now, now give an example of an emotional abuse situation. I I really want to make this clear for the male population out there and also for uh, families so they understand exactly what you're talking about. Because when you hear emotional abuse, you may think, you know, well, somebody's yelling at somebody else yeah. or something like that. It, what, are, it, what are some examples of these? Because as, as I read this, one in three women will experience some form of domestic violence within their lifetime. One in three, folks. And every nine seconds, a woman is physically assaulted by an intimate partner. And what we've just been talking about from Sylvia is not necessarily the physical uh, assault, but emotional assault. You know, denying her um, free choice, you know, if she wants to go back to school, sort of uh, thwarting her, uh, you know, her, her personal choices, you know, indicating that, you know, she's stupid or, you know, isolating her from family and friends and indicating that, you know, she doesn't need anybody, you know, but him, um, making sure that everything she does is judged by him. Uh, keeping her from enjoying relationships with co-workers. Um, and then sometimes it's about um, intimidation and threats. You know, it's not even a matter always of the physical abuse, but the threat of violence. You know, I love you so much um, that if you leave me, I'm going to kill myself. Um, and so making her feel as if his decisions to either hit her or control her are really her fault. Mm. And that also spills over to the kids. You know, a lot of times the kids come in shelter and they really think that what is happening in their home is their fault. If they had only cleaned up their room, you know, if they had only not stayed out till the uh, past the streetlights, that they are somehow responsible for some adult's decision to control and isolate his family or her family. Or, and many times they think that that is norm, the norm. And then when they discover, oh, my gosh, this is not normal. This is very abnormal. That's really difficult to change in a child's psyche. It's so difficult to change. At the Women's Safe House, we have a number of programs. And one program is our children's residential program. That program is really about primary prevention. So, you know, what happens in prevention um, and in healthcare, and domestic violence is a public health issue, is that, you know, a lot of times we look at, Um, primary, secondary, and tertiary victimization. And so what happens in primary, you know, is that you want to create an awareness. You kind of want to help people to be aware of what violence looks like and how to prevent it. Secondary is usually when the violence has already occurred. For instance, shelter. Emergency shelter happens for for women uh, and for men and for families when violence has already occurred. Tertiary is kind of like, our aftercare program, which is, you know, kind of like a flagship program for us. So now the violence has occurred. Now she's in shelter. Now it's time to leave shelter. What sort of supports is she going to have in the community once she leaves shelter? The children's program 
Though those kids are secondary victims, they have already witnessed the abuse. Our goal is to help them to gain some skills so that they don't become victims themselves or perpetrators of violence. And, and that's women. huge because a lot of times these are, I don't want to say they're generational, but if you grow up in a family that is abusive, you the odds of you becoming abusive are much higher. You're, you're absolutely right. And we are trying to break that intergenerational cycle of abuse because it is. We see women, and this is really sad, but we have seen women in shelter that were in our shelter with their mom. You know, and now she's in shelter and so is her kids. Mm. And so working diligently through the primary prevention component of the children's program um, to try to break that cycle of abuse. It's like, um, you know, it's almost like pulling teeth, you know, helping women um, at the same time to understand that each time you go back into the violence, you put your kids in harm's way. You know, now women don't see it that way for the most part, you know, because they are not there in terms of their own recovery. So I love this guy. This guy loves me. You know, domestic violence is a matter of the heart. Right. You know, but DV is also a crime. Yeah, because you hear often situations where somebody has gone back and, and maybe they're in the hospital now or maybe they they were murdered. Uh, they were battered uh, physically. And there had been multiple attempts by law enforcement who had been there and the um, victim had not wanted to prosecute uh, because, you know, you know, they won't love me anymore. There's there is this mental kind of an emotional kind of uh, it seems like draw that I'm sure is is really hard for you to get through to. Individuals it is so like difficult this. to get through. And the recidivism rate, you know, the number of times that a woman returns to shelter is extensively high. Now, what happens just normally is a woman, on average, leaves the abuse about seven times wow. before she actually severs that tie. Now, the seven times is, is not linear. It's not like, you know, oh, I'm going to leave today. I'm going to go back. Then I'm going to leave again. It could be years, you know, just stretches of years before she actually breaks those and severs those ties. And, you know, each time she goes back, the kids are with her, you know, and they witness that abuse. You know, I'm, I'm coming back to domestic uh, violence definition, and you're listening to In Tune on KWRHLP 92.9 FM. If you have a question that you would like to uh, send Sylvia, uh, you can text us at 314-736-4510, 314-736-4510. But the Department of Justice defines domestic violence as a pattern of abusive behavior in any relationship that is used by one partner to gain or maintain power and control over over another intimate partner. And this can be physical, sexual, emotional, economic, psychological, and it includes intimidation, manipulation, humiliation, isolation, mm. frightening, terrorizing, coercion, threatening, blaming, hurting, injuring, or wounding. And that, that's just such a comprehensive, and it, like, it has to be, because it seems like there knows, domestic violence knows no boundaries. That's exactly true. It's just like anything else. It's no respect of person. You know, it's not sort of like it happens in one culture or it happens in one community. It's all over. It's all over the region. It's all over the nation. It's all over the world. Yeah, Ellie was mentioning uh, on a previous broadcast that she was in a, in a country when she lived in a foreign country of how uh, she observed men treating their wives. And then when a daughter grew up, 
that she was expected to get married, and, and the husband was supposed to treat her in that same kind of abusive manner. And it's like, whoa, 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 stop the ship here, you know? That, that's not normal. Yeah, that's the one thing that uh, kind of, um, you know, tears at the heart of trying to end violence against women and girls is that it is an acceptable behavior um, in some countries. Um, and many times, um, I think, you know, the whole idea of domestic violence being a woman's issue really keeps us from working with men to end violence against women and girls. So let me just give a little caveat. The one thing that we do at the Women's Safe House is we work with women and children, okay? But we also work with transgendered. We work with LGBTQ. Um, We are not a shelter that um, is able to house men, but we work with men in that we get them referred to, there's a shelter downstate that works with, with men that are you know victims of domestic abuse. We provide counseling over the phone if they're interested in that. And believe it or not, St. Louis has a pretty tight network of support. So you know we may use one of our partner agencies or one of our sister agencies like Safe Connections that I know was on your show not too long ago mm-hmm. to actually work with men who are violated by women. Yeah, yeah, so that that's that's so important because you know when you were talking about how um, a domestic partner will make another one feel, it reminded me of of dating scenes in high school mm-hmm. that I've observed as an educator or I've observed with some some of my friends when I was in high school on the things that would be said to girls and to keep them in a relationship where maybe the girls shouldn't. They shouldn't be in that relationship mm-hmm, with that person. Mm-hmm, you know, it's mm-hmm. the um, uh, smothering of them and not letting them see other people. You know, I'm the only one you can be with kind of person. And it's it's just this, for lack of better words, a clinginess. But do you have any programs that uh, reach out into the high schools and try to help educate on the front end and maybe interrupt some of this Uh, abuse that could happen not currently you know over the years we have been involved in you know providing some peer-to-peer services in the schools you know where we will get a group of peers at the school um, help them to understand what domestic violence looks like what sexual assault is what's a healthy relationship what's an unhealthy relationship recently um, I did a piece at one of the high schools um, and it was really just kind of around identifying Um, relationships that harm you know we do a lot of work of bystander intervention too because kids need to understand as does adults how to intervene you know a lot of times what I'll hear is I don't know anybody who's in a domestic violence situation you know and I venture to say you do if one in three women can be a victim in our lifetime you know somebody that's right you know and so how do you intervene there are so many ways to do it that are not going to put you in personal harm. And so what we talk to the kids about is, you know, you love your phone, you know. And so if you see something that just doesn't look right, like he pushed her down, you know, or he, you know, drug her by the neck, um, then you need to get a picture and you need to send it to someone to, to somebody. You know, you can do that without having to 
try to intervene in the violence, but that is still bystander intervention. Yeah, yeah, and not post on Facebook or Instagram as like, hey, look at this, to try to get likes. It's not about getting likes. It's, it's about not. helping to deal with situations that are, uh, you know, really against the law yeah. and, yeah. and that, are, that are demeaning to individuals. We do a lot of work with bullying, too, um, you know, at the site, um, at the Women's Safe House. And it's not just, you know, the physical uh, abuse that goes along with bullying. Um, some bullying is really psychological, you know, in terms of just controlling a person, sending, you know, uh, uh, girls do it a lot to, to other girls, you know, or your hair is ugly, you know, or, or you don't look good in that, or, you know, we're cuter than you, um, sorts of things. So we do some work with bullying, and we do some work with cyberbullying too, because we need moms and dads and kids to understand that this is real. It is. You know, it's this is real. real. And people harm themselves as a result of being bullied. People have committed suicide because of these things. Yeah, they have. And, and folks, we want you to hear these things very, very clearly because you might say, well, that's stuff I read on the news. No, it, it's in our community. It's in our neighborhoods. It may be on your block. It may be inside your household. You just really have to get a grip on understanding what these things are and how you deal with them. And that's one of the points of the show and why we have Sylvia on today. You know, I... I, I like this particular thing. It says, if you believe that you're a victim of domestic violence, you should know you are not alone, it's not your fault, and you can get help. And you have a crisis, 24-hour crisis intervention line. We do, and i tell you something about that crisis intervention line. You are going to get a live voice when you call. I don't care what time of the day or night. I don't care if it's Christmas Day. I don't care if it's New Year's Eve, uh, Memorial Day. You're going to get a live voice. You know, and then there's someone on that phone that's been trained not only to provide you with information and referrals, but also to do some counseling on the phone. You know, a lot of time people call the hotline. They don't want to come in. You know, they just want to be assured that what's happening to them is actually wrong, okay, that love doesn't hurt, that you should not be abused by anyone, and that there are resources in our community to help. Now, one of the things we're going to talk about in the uh, second half hour are some of the uh, programs and services that you have. You did mention your primary, uh, secondary, and, and tertiary prevention programs, but we're going to dig into these a little bit. We just talked about the, one of the first ones, which is the crisis intervention line, but we're going to talk a little bit more in depth about the residential program, the children's residential program, aftercare, and some volunteer services that, you know, many times... Uh, People don't know what to do with their time, or there's some retired folks out there. It's like, uh, hey, what what can I do to help improve my community and and the people around where I live? Volunteer is a great way to do that, and, and yeah. an agency like yours really needs those that kind of assistance. You wouldn't believe how important and essential volunteers are to our work. Now, listen, we're open 24/7, 365. We never close. Okay, we have a staff of 30. So even if you do the math on that. Uh, 15 are full-time, 15 are part-time. We don't have enough people to get it all done. St. Louis has been a very generous community, not just financially, but also in terms of volunteerism. So there are so many areas where people can help us out. You know, school teachers might want to, you know, give something back and come into the school and come into our, our agency and tutor, you know, in math. You know, a lot of times our kids have developmental delays because they're living in violent environments. Um, and so there could be social workers, you know, who might just want to say, hey, look, I can, I got a few hours this week. You know, you don't have to have a major skill set. You know, you could just want to fold clothes. 
You know, women come to shelter a lot of times with nothing. So you might want to donate some clothing you know, that you have. Our 24-hour crisis line, you know, it's available also for folks to call to say, hey, look, I want to make a contribution. Do we need money? Obviously, you know, but we want your time. We want your talent. You know, even if it's just, hey, look, I'm calling the day to find out a little bit more. I think I see something in my family. I want to make sure that, you know, this is what I think it is. And we'd help you with that as well. Yeah, and you know, if you want, you can check some more information. We're going to continue our conversation, but you can check on uh, www.twsh.org. That stands for the Woman's Safe House, and empowerment starts there. Empowerment starts at the Woman's Safe House, and again, their mission is to provide safe shelter and transitional living services for battered women and their dependent children and empower women to make informed decisions about their futures. You know, a lot of times I imagine that— uh, women who are abused don't think they have a future. Their future is very narrow, and it's been very controlled by their partner. And the only future that they have is what their partner wants to tell them or allow them to participate mm-hmm. in. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Or that's no? that's that's exactly the truth. You know, women come in so beaten down, so upset about, um, and so afraid. You know, if a woman leaves, and when a woman leaves. She just made probably one of the biggest decisions of her life. She takes her kids and she leaves whatever safety she thought she had. And she comes into an environment and lives communally with people that she doesn't know. She takes a high risk to even say, okay, you know, this ain't right. I'm, I'm leaving the violence and I'm going to come in. And then she brings her kids. You know, kids are coming into an environment they know nothing about. And they stay there on average 12 to 14 weeks. Wow. That's risky for them. Oh gosh. And we should recognize that even to make that step. That's huge. Yeah. It's, it's huge. It's huge. And so we are there, you know, along with our volunteers to help her to feel safe. You know, one of the things that I hope that we're known for in this community is the provision of both physical and emotional safety for women and kids fleeing the real threat of violence in the home. That's an important thing. You know, folks, we're, we're talking to Sylvia Jackson, who's the executive director of the Women's Safe House. It's a uh, safe shelter transitional living service to batter women and dependent children. And again, I want to read this statement because it, it's very disheartening. And it was kind of just it, it's like neon flashing. One in three women will experience some form of domestic violence within their lifetime. And Folks, that's huge. When you walk down the street, you look around where your workplace, you know, you see three women sitting there, one in three of them mm-hmm. will have been experienced a domestic violence in their lifetime. And we, we need to be able to curb the, the violence that's going on, change the mindset. And this is uh, the Women's Safe House has been doing this since 1977. And it's a, a facility that was originally rented from the Sisters of Loretto. There's a little link here to Webster Groves. Uh, and they, they can accommodate now, uh, have, have done, served 400 to 600 women and children annually. And as Sylvia said, uh, 24 hours a day, 365, very, very important. So we're going to come back after the break and kind of take apart some of the programs that they offer and how they really uh, minister to some uh, women and children that, that do um, make the large step of coming in. And I, I was amazed to hear that 12 to 14 weeks, that's, that's very interesting. Yeah. 
So this is Arnold Stricker of Intune. You're listening to KWRHLP 92.9 FM, your community radio station in Webster Groves, Missouri. Welcome back to In Tune. This is Arnold Stricker. We have Sylvia Jackson from the Woman's Safe House. She's executive director there. And we've been talking about domestic abuse. And, folks, this is a conversation that you need to listen to over and over again. Or maybe when we post it on iTunes or SoundCloud, you need to send that to a friend to have them listen to it. We've talked about many, many things, the definition of domestic abuse. We've talked about what the Woman's Safe House does, the number of people that they have going through the program. We, we want to highlight a little bit on this half hour some of the programs that they do offer. We did talk about the Crisis Hotline, which is open 24-7, 365. And it's, uh, it's just not dealing with an initial uh, referral that comes in, Sylvia, is it? Because you have, you know, when women make the decision, like you said, which is very, very difficult to come in, uh, you offer them a variety of residential, and if they have children, children's residential. Kind of unpack those programs for us a little I'm bit. I'm glad to do that. So, you know, the crisis intervention hotline, most women self-refer. You know, you got to think women's safe house. They think, oh, gosh, this is an opportunity for me to be safe. You know, and that is uh, a service that's provided by trained, compassionate listeners, whether they are staff or volunteers, and that's, that's all day long. But we also get referrals on that hotline from law enforcement, hospital personnel, and other social and human resources organizations. Mm-hmm. The residential program is really kind of like our meat and potatoes. Um, that's emergency shelter, and that's where we're meeting all their basic needs. We provide three meals a day and two snacks. You know, I always laugh about this because I know when I'm at home on the weekend or if I have my grandkids, we eat more than two snacks, right? <laughs> um, and so... But the Safe House is there to provide that um, based on just wonderful contributions and donations from the St. Louis community, um, you know, grocery stores, uh, the food bank um, and the like and the like. The residential program also provides what we call intensive case management. Um, there is a life coach. OK, so, you know, the life coach, in fact, is a therapist. However, most women who come into shelter are like, hey. I might be a victim of domestic abuse, but I ain't crazy. Okay. And so the life coach, it works from the standpoint that who doesn't want to be coached? You know, we can all use a little bit of life coaching, right? Right. right. Um, And so it helps us to help her to be able to use a term that you just use, unpack uh, some of the reasons why she continues Mm -hmm. um, in these uh, type of relationships. Now, the residential program also provides all the personal hygiene um, items that a person might need. We've got an on-site laundry, so she doesn't have to leave the facility. We've got a computer lab so that she can search for housing and, and, you know, and search, um, you know, for work uh, right there, right there online. We've got any number of support groups. These are groups that, you know, come in, uh, folks that come in and do support groups around issues of, um, domestic violence, domestic violence education, but we also do groups around parenting. Hmm. You know, we do kids groups that are age appropriate. So you're not going to have a 17 year old, uh, in a group with a four year old, but here's what you are going to get. Every single individual who comes into our house is going to get a personal safety plan. Okay. Personal safety plan for a four-year-old might mean, hey, you know, mommy and daddy or mommy and mommy are fighting. What can you do? Well, you can go get in the bathtub and you can stay there. 
you know, until there's no more noise. With a 16-year-old, you can say, could you go stay with somebody? Is there a caring adult, you know, or you got a good friend where you can just escape rather than try to intervene in a violence. So that's something that's provided through our residential program. The children's residential program, as again, just sort of helps children to cope with the violence, but it also does quite a few assessments, you know, to kind of look what's going on with this kid. How can we better serve this kid? And how can we identify some of the risk factors, particularly for the older kids, so that they don't go down this same path? The aftercare program, I, I, I can't say enough about that program. One of the things that we realized very early on, and I've been around for 15 years, is that when women leave shelter, they need more than furnishings to start again. They need a support system. And so the aftercare program provides once a month support groups. It focuses on financial literacy and it helps to build economic stability through its initiative called Banking on Women. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that we believe, Arnold, is that if you bank on us, if you bank on women, we will become productive members of society. And so the Banking on Women has a courage fund where we will help a woman with her first and last month's rent or utility deposits so that she doesn't go back to him for financial support. Um, It also has um, something called Bank Up. Bank Up is all about, you know, women with very little money, they will tend to use like a currency exchange or something like that to cash their checks. Well, Bank Up is all about, if you establish a bank account, we'll match it up to $500 if you leave it in there for six months. That builds economic stability. That helps her to feel positive and that she is contributing. She is a part of the St. Louis community. And the other piece is micro lending, which is a collaboration with the National Council on Jewish Women. And then lastly, we've got what we call volunteer services and community education. Listen, if we don't get out here and talk to folks and create awareness about domestic abuse, some people really just don't know. You know, and so that's what the community education component is about. We're out there, you know, talking to civic groups, hospital organizations, corporations about the issue of domestic violence. And I'll tell you one thing about corporate corporations. I know where you're going to go with this because I've already (laughs) written it down. You spurred something in my head. I think I know where you're going. Go ahead. Well, it's about the money. Right. And so what we do with a lot of our corporate um, uh, requests for information on violence in the workplace We talk about how many women you got at your organization. You know, women are 51% of the workforce now. So we come in there ready to tell you, you know, you've got a workforce of 1,100, okay? 600 of those are women. Time missed from work, you know, is not necessarily because she's feeling physically ill. It may be because she's feeling mentally ill and mentally ill from the stress of domestic abuse. And that usually gets somebody listening in human resources about how can we help the women because it's the bottom line. You miss time at work, you take money away from productivity and the company doesn't make any money. Yep. Yep. So where, where I was going to go with that is that many people think domestic abuse or individuals in involved in domestic abuse are living at or below or around the poverty line. And that is not true. There is no uh, monetary, level that you can say domestic abuse is just in this level. You have people who are very affluent where domestic abuse is is also prevalent. Yeah. And a lot of times women of means um, won't come into shelter. Honestly, they've got enough money where they can, you know, go stay at a hotel or go stay somewhere for a couple of days. What they will though do is call the hotline to kind of figure out, can you help me put together a plan? Get a plan together, right. You know, uh, what are some of the things that I can do? 
you know, can you give me a referral for legal assistance? Even though they may have a lawyer, they may not want to go to his lawyer. You know, and so we work with the Jane Doe Advocacy Center that sort of does legal advocacy work along with um, Legal Services of Eastern Missouri and Law, Legal Advocates for Abused Women, to just sort of help women to have some legal options. So these kinds of situations, I, I'm just trying to impress this point to our listeners, they don't know necessarily a specific group of people. They, they encompass everybody. Yeah, they do. You know, any woman, anywhere. I mean, there's been stories everywhere from Maryland Heights and Ledoux and Town and Country to South City, um, you know, North City, Lee May. Um, we get women from everywhere, uh, the, the east side. Um, now, you know, it is important to understand, though, that women who can stay in shelter any real length of time, they've got very thin support systems. Right. You know, and that could be for any reason isolation, you know, him continually beating you down and telling you, you can't go back to college, you know, you're stupid, you, you know, I, I, you can't do that, you know, just just let that dream go. So, you know, it can happen to anyone. And we've seen almost anybody, you know, and you were saying off the air, um, 50 to 55 women and children that you can house Mm -hmm. at any given time. But tell me the number that you have to turn away. This folks, you, listen to this. This is crazy. That's the rub for me. So on any given night, um, the safe house can house up to 55 women and kids. And I will say that most often there are more kids in domestic violence than shelter than there are women. Mm. Um, but last year we served 417 or 471, I'm sorry, women and kids, but we turned away over 1100. Now that's the rub because the shelter was full. So if you think about the Women's Safe House, which is the largest provider in the region, we turned away 1,100. What do you think about some of the other programs, the Wyman Shelter, St. Martha's Hall, in terms of numbers that they were able to, had to turn away because the shelter was full? Okay, so I'm gonna ask the listeners, where do they go? Where did they go? Sylvia, what are your thoughts? A lot of times they stay in the abuse. They have nowhere to go. Sometimes they go into general shelter that can't keep them safe. You know, women sleep in their cars. You know, I got a call not too long ago, and this is just a really sad story, um, where the woman left the abusive relationship, and this was really a call from her church, and she was living in an abandoned house with her kids. That means there's no water, there's no lights, there's vermin. Um but she was afraid. She was afraid. It was safer than where she was. Absolutely. Absolutely. In this community, you don't have to go to an abandoned house. There are any number of agencies. You know, I mentioned St. Martha's Hall, but there's also Alive. Alive is like a motel, hotel program. We work very closely. We're close-knit in terms of being able to refer folks to other organizations that might be able to help. Um, and so Alive will give you a few nights of safety is what they call it, um, just in the interim until we can get a shelter facility available uh, to serve you and your family. You're listening to Arnold Stricker on In Tune on KWRHLP 92.9. If you have a question that you would like to ask Sylvia, you can text us at 314-736-4510. You know, we talk about um, St. Louis and large cities. Uh, rural Missouri doesn't have the kind of resources that that you're organization offers yeah you're absolutely right and um you know off air arnold and i kind of talked a little bit about you know it's really not about 
the provision of shelter in urban areas. It's about the provision of shelter and services in this country, and particularly in rural areas. If the money is not there, the services are not there, but the problem is there. You know, and so what we'd like to see happen um, is an ability for this country to move forward and realize that domestic violence affects us all. It impacts us. It impacts our kids and the next generation of adults, you know, and that is not just urban, you know, it's not just suburban, it's rural as well. You know, Arnold, if I could unpack a little bit um, Please the do. myths of domestic violence. Please that do. I was just people looking do. at that. Now, people always think that alcohol and drugs made me do it. Um, when in fact, most batterers are sober. <laughs> you know, now there may be some drugging going on um, that, you know, can kind of lead to a violent situation, but it's not the root cause of violence. You know, the root cause is power, manipulation, and control. You know, the other big myth is, you know, domestic violence victims ask for it. Well, who asks for violence? You know, nobody wants to be hurt. Um, they don't deserve it. You know, um, in your loving relationship, you don't deserve it. And so neither does she, you know, or he um, in, in any kind of relationship. Um, the other thing is that domestic violence isn't that common. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, that's just a lie. Domestic violence is common. You know, it's one in three women you know, will be a victim. Now, we're not even talking about the men, but men are battered as well. And I want to get that out there to the listening public and so that you can understand that we realize that in this country. You know, there's this other thing about, you know, batterers attacking their partners um, for no reason uh, or because she, you know, behaved a certain way. No, it's about power and control. You know, it's about his power or her power and control over their intimate partner. So those are some of the myths that, you know, people often think are true. And I just kind of want to dispel those myths for you this afternoon. That's very good because you also have a, a sheet that you brought in about the four types of abuse. Uh, and we've talked a lot about emotional abuse, the psychological where it's verbal play mental mind games, ignore the feelings of the partner, attack the partner's vulnerabilities, uh, threaten to leave, you stalk. Stalking is is a psychological abuse. And, and it's huge. That's, yeah, you get a, a, a even boyfriend-girlfriend situation where they can't give up, where maybe the girl said, I'm not, I'm not in this anymore, and uh, he stalks her. Um, it, it does work the other way around. Economic abuse, controlling their finances, uh, denying them finances, ruining their credit, uh, sexual abuse, calling them names, sexual names, accusing them of promiscuity, withholding sex as punishment, raping, mm -hmm. inflicting injuries, mm -hmm. and then physical abuse, which I think is very evident, scratching, biting, uh, shaking, shoving, slapping, confining them, withholding food, throwing objects at them, uh, and it, ultimate is, is murdering them. Yeah, Arnold just read something, guys, that um, really sounds horrible. But at the end of the day, domestic violence and sexual assault and violence against women and girls is horrible. And it's something, is, this is the reason why we're having Sylvia on today, is to talk about something that many times you, you 
continually read in the newspaper or see on the news things happen or situations that, well, it wasn't that bad. Well, how bad does it need to get before people start to react and actually get out of a relationship? And when you're looking at these things, and maybe you don't view that you're in a situation like that, maybe there's a relative of yours that's in the situation like that, or a neighbor, Mm -hmm. or a friend of your Mm -hmm. children's, or maybe your children are in a situation like that and you don't even know it. So it's, it's giving you information and knowledge to be able to be aware and then knowing what you can do with that knowledge and information, that awareness, is that you can get some assistance from a group like the Women's Safe House and that's, that Sylvie's been talking about. Uh, some, some kind of closing thoughts on this, because I know off-air we also talked about how many times you've given presentations to groups, uh, many, many groups, and there's this culture that's just built in that doesn't want to budge. You know what? That's so true. I was just sharing off air that nearly every time, most every time I make a presentation in the community, it doesn't matter if it's a corporation or a hospital or a church group, even someone comes up to me and says, I think I might be in an abusive relationship or I think I know somebody, you know, so if you can hear it, if you can really hear what Arnold and I are saying today, if you believe that you may be in an abusive relationship, please call 314-772-4535 anytime. Now you can go on our website and we've got an escape button. If you hit that escape button, the person who's perpetrating violence against you can't even follow up. They don't even know what site you were on, you know, so Give us a call. Go to our website. You know, I also wanted to share that the leading cause of injury against women is domestic violence. It's not mugging. It's not car accident. It's not rape. It's not, you know, carjacking that we're seeing so much of in the news today. It's domestic violence. That's the leading cause. Well, maybe you want to help some some way. Uh, I want to follow up with what Sylvia just said by this is a survivor's statement. I cannot imagine what my life and the life of my children would be like without the women's safe house. They helped me escape my abuse and offered me resources that improved our futures. My children are finally in a safe environment and we continue to heal every day with the help of the women's safe house. We have a bright future in front of us and I know now know that I don't have to live my life as a victim. I am a survivor. You've got time on your hands. You want to help. You want to volunteer. You're, you can volunteer. Uh, last A uh, couple of years ago, 812 volunteers, over 5,200 hours of volunteer service, which is the equivalent of almost $112,000 of donated time. Mm-hmm, Folks, that's, that's huge. If you can donate, maybe cooking some meals, maybe washing some windows, folding some clothing, doing some tutoring assistance. I tell you about those meals. We served like 24,000 meals last year. Oh, my gosh. That's a lot of food, folks. So if you could donate to our casserole program, that would be fantastic. So a variety of ways you can do that. And if you want more information about that, the the website is www.twsh.org, twsh.org, or you can contact the Women's uh, Safe House at 772-4535. So opportunities, 
You can work on the crisis intervention hotline, shelter advocate, child care assistance, kitchen support, community advocate, donations, picking up some things and sorting and helping out in some special events. You are a uh, nonprofit, correct? Yeah, we're a 501c3. Um, and, you know, we get a lot of our support from government, government funding. Um, all around St. Louis City and County, so there's a lot of local funding. Um, but we also um, get a lot of support from individual donors. We'd like more. St. Louis community is, like, again, very generous. Um, some foundation and some corporate funding as well. You know, Arnold, if I could, I'd like to also just sort of alert um, your listening audience that October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. You know, it's month-long activities providing information on domestic violence and how to help all over the region. If you want more information about Domestic Violence Awareness Month, you could call us at the Women's Safe House and we'd be glad to share that information. Um, Or you can go to the Domestic Violence Awareness Month website, um, which I believe is through the National Network to End Domestic Violence. But if you call us, we can give you more information um, about Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And, and I'm, I'm a firm believer that, uh, you know, when I when I planned to have Sylvia on the show, I did not know that. But this is a perfect time. We're just leading right up into that month. Uh, you know, things sometimes work work their way out like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. That's, that's very, very interesting. I, I really appreciate you being on today, folks. It's, it's a very important topic, uh, one that needs a lot of uh, discussion and exposition out uh, and discussion in a family, mm-hmm. you know, around the mm-hmm. dinner table. You know, what do you talk about? You know, well, what'd you do in school today? Nothing. Well, you know, talk about if a student's ever seen any kind of violence at school. Not, I'm not talking about playground violence, although there is sometimes that, but it's this power, uh, you know, control and manipulation. I believe the words you used, uh, the master manipulator, yeah, that's that's really um, a person just like, you know, you kind of hone your skills, your analytical skills, um, you know, or if you like to bike ride, you know, whatever it is you enjoy doing, you hone those skills. Right. Well, so do manipulators. They hone those skills. They pick out their victim. They stalk their victims and they hone their, their skills so that they can control the relationship and they know which victims they can control and which ones they don't. They don't pick on the ones they can't control. Yeah, they do. They that that's exactly true. That's exactly true. Um, So, you know, in closing, the one thing that I would uh, like to say is that if a woman tells you that her perpetrator has indicated he's going to kill her, he's going to hurt her, uh, please believe her. If you do nothing else, you know, if you don't call the hotline or if you don't look into any other programs and services in our community, of which there are many, Believe her. Believe her. Um, Because a lot of times he's telling her the truth. He is going to hurt her. Domestic violence is a crime. Well, you heard that, folks. We can impact our community together by working together, by uh, helping a group like the Women's Safe House. And I want to read one last thing that Sylvia wrote that... uh, We remain focused on our mission to empower women to live a life free from violence and make informed choices about their futures through intervention, education, and advocacy. We now have a more comprehensive services for women and children have added and expanded partnerships with a variety of community groups and funding resources. On behalf of the women and children who've been given a chance 
at a better future. Because of your support, she thanks you. And the impact you're making in the fight against domestic violence can be seen in the faces of children who are no longer afraid to go out at night, felt across school campuses and communities as young adults learn that love should not hurt. You know, the kids who see this kind of stuff, you know, how, listen to this, folks. How do you expect kids to learn at school if they're concerned about their mom being beaten up by their father or their mom's boyfriend or somebody who's within the family? You know, this is an issue we need to constantly stay on. I want you to, to uh, go to their website because October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Get informed. Talk to your friends about that. Might be a good thing to do rather than play cards. Get your group, get your card group together and talk about that. Rather than have your book club read a book, maybe read a book on domestic violence. Absolutely. And talk about that and what things you can do. Maybe uh, your group at church or another group that you're familiar with, you decide to donate. Maybe you should donate to uh, the Woman's Safe House that month or this year and think about that. So maybe you need uh, something to occupy your time. You've got a lot of time on your hands call up the Women's Safe House. Maybe you can volunteer to do a variety of things down there. So, Sylvia Jackson, thank you very much for coming in today to Intune. Thank we you for having it. me. I, I really appreciate it. And I want to thank the St. Louis community. Um, we are always looking for volunteers, board members, you know, or just volunteers in general. So please give us a call. Super. It's been a great uh, hour talking to Sylvia about this and, and a topic that really impacts everybody. If you've not been impacted by this... It will happen sometime. It will happen. And uh, hopefully it won't be a serious situation, but it'll be one in which you can help intervene, help support that person. And maybe if you're a victim of this, uh, you know that there is a way out for you. If you're a perpetrator, you need to knock it off. You need to get some assistance. Exactly. And, and, and get some help to make sure that you can keep the relationships that you have sound. This is Arnold Stricker of Intune. You're listening to KWRHLP 92.9 FM, your community radio station in Webster Groves, Missouri.